0: the air was blue i'm not gonna lie there's no there's no point in me dressing it up thank god there's nobody else in the house that's all i can say
1: <laughs> i see you did what you promised you've gone for the artwork behind you yeah i've gone for a bit of artwork yeah i just thought i'd make it a bit more
0: interesting Ben. and you a know? half
1: a version of a younger you is that with the What well, over there
0: it's actually richard aor day oh is it oh i know right and yeah, everybody sort of goes, why well, have you got a picture of Richard Ayoade? I, I don't, as you know, Ben, I don't really find many things particularly funny, but I find him really funny. So the fact that every time I see him, I burst out laughing, my kids, to commemorate this, because he's the only human that I regularly laugh at, my kids bought me a framed picture of Richard Ayoade so that every time I saw him, it would kind of broadly make me smile, which, which it does, to be fair. brilliant. I've had a couple of people go, is that like you with hair? Or or I've got one client client said to me last week, why have you got a picture of Harry Potter on your wall?
2: (laughs) Welcome to the Noggin Podcast, putting people in good places to do good stuff at work. And today we have a special guest joining us, leadership consultant Pete Morris. And we'll be musing collectively on The Year
1: Ahead. It's really cool to have the two of you together. It's nice to be here, mate. You're two two people whose help, support and opinions I've always valued massively and have a very strong sense and opinion of um, life and what goes on, which I think is really relevant for what we talk about. and. For the benefit of the listener, we've been attempting to get Pete on the podcast for about a year, and clearly, you're just always jetting off somewhere. You know, COVID for permitting, you're always jetting off, hosting some conference somewhere for very important people. So, we're very, very lucky to have you with us.
0: It's it's a lovely. It's lovely to be with you both. So,
1: I was saying to Michael that Pete and I had a had a well Omicron permitting, we just managed to sneak in a beer before Christmas, having met at waterloo station in london and then wandered off on some vague hunt to find a bar and managed to find a bar that i think we ended up being the only two people in it we started putting the world to rights and i was saying to michael that we talked we started talking about themes for this year what we think people might want to be paying attention to and um, and you know and unsurprisingly pete you had some fairly strong opinions on that and i thought well that might be worth having on a podcast
2: I was reading over the weekend some research that popped up actually on, on my BBC news feed, which was talking about some research around how people are feeling emotionally drained. Emotionally drained because of hybrid working, because, so the research suggested, flitting between working from home and then working in an office is really tricky for people because one moment you're, you're at home, it's pretty quiet, you've got everything you need, You know what to expect and you're comfortable and you can be productive. And then the next day you've got to get on the tube and you've got to get in an office and it's noisy and you're not sure what's going to happen. And it's just a different level of stimulation. And this switching context, context switching is something that people are finding tiring. And I wondered whether that might be a nice place for us to start today to get your perspective on that, Pete and Ben. Because I found that quite intriguing. I found that quite intriguing, that discontinuity of work practice being the thing that's challenging for people.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you know what? It's funny you should say that because the the call that I was doing before we logged on to to do this pod, I was talking to a client of mine and he said, do you know what? He said, I really miss commuting. And I said, do you? <laughs> and, he, and he said, yeah, I really do. He said, let me be clear. He said, I, I don't miss the mental thought of thinking I've got to do an hour and 45 minutes from my home to my office in central London. But I really miss it because when I leave my house to when I get to my office, and then when I leave my office to get home to my house, I have, this is his word, not mine, I have decompressed. And here, what happens is I finish my working day at six o'clock and I come out of one room of my house and I go into another room in my house and rather than allowing an hour and 45 minutes for me to process exactly what has gone on during my day and what I thought about it and how when I get in the door of my house... I can become a partner, a husband, a wife, a father, a son, a daughter, whatever. Now, that time is about two or three seconds. And that's why this is all so unbelievably exhausting, because we we don't feel that we can create enough room for us to be able to kind of let the brain kind of actually work out what the hell is going on? Because even though we're nearly two years into this, we're still doing that thing of going, yeah, it, it is okay for me to do seven till seven. I'm doing it today, right? I'm doing seven till seven today. And I know when I get to seven o'clock tonight, I'm going to do what I always do, which is I'm going to go, why the hell did I do that? <laughs> what, 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 why did I do that? But, 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 and the answer is because I can, right? I can do it. Because I can quickly nip downstairs, I can, you know, talk to people, I can come back up. But there's, no, there's lots of quantity. We're now lacking the quality to be able to kind of really allow ourselves to think about what this all means, I think. What do you think, Ben? I think
1: my experience of going into London for the first few times before Christmas, which had been pretty much for a year, I think I remember Mm -hmm. saying to Michael that I came back having spent a day in a client's office. I came back with this weird feeling of being really energized for having been amongst people and exhausted at the same time. And I think that it's a bit like when you move house and you become tired because all of the things that you used to do automatically, you're having to think about. So your frame of reference is filled with lots of, Conscious attention that you know it was just finding the finding my pass to get in the building with the client, where you know working out you know remembering <laughs> how you get through the turnstile that you know where's my you know where's where's my oyster card what do I do with this and it's all like the and I thought I feel like a I feel like an eight year old on a school trip all I was missing was holding on to somebody's hand next to me which would admittedly have been a little bit weird and might have got me into trouble but um but I I, I wonder if it's a little bit more than that sometimes because i think people are coming back from work or coming back into work and are reevaluating what it what it what you know to use your word what it means and i think um, expectations have changed and uh, you know i think there's people are engaging with work in a really different way i mean you said seven till seven because you can and other people are you know you know, voting with their feet a little bit and are deciding some stuff they don't want to do.
2: I personally get such a lot of comfort from my routines and my rhythm. And I know for myself, I'm very, very pattern-seeking. And then when something disrupts my rhythm and routine and pattern-seeking, I have like a reaction, (laughs) physiological, emotional, mental, like re-entering things, re-entry, re-entering into relationships when there's been an absence of, contact something i've always found really really difficult even with close family members you know if i've not it, it, in some ways it's easier for me to to relax into the absence of contact rather than come in and out of it which which sometimes can leave me a bit isolated but then without that that disturbance that you get from it so it's it, the oh, i don't i don't i hesitate to use the word balance um, because I feel like that's quite a, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an overused word, but I, that's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky balance for me.
0: I think there's also a, um, no one really knows what to do with this at the moment, right? You, 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 Michael, you said about the whole hybrid working bit. If we look back over like the last, last year or so, there's a lot of big organisations that are kind of going... I don't know what our version of this is. So we're kind of waiting to see what other people are doing. So it was a really memorable week last year. It was about sort of, I think, April, May last year, where uh, Goldman Sachs came out and said, um, once the summer's out of the way, we're expecting all of our staff to be back in the office because we're an office based organization. Brilliant right? We're an office-based organisation, right? Two days later, you had Shell, the big petroleum giant, come out and go, well, we're going to open our offices, but we're going to kind of leave it up to people as to when they're going to come back in, because we, we want you all to be here if you want to be, because human connection, social interaction, all the things that we've missed the most, but we're, not, we're kind of not going to force you. Now, on the back of that week, I had about half a dozen clients of mine going, what do you think we should do? And I said, well, what, you know, what, what do you want to do? Well, should, should we? Should we get everybody back? Because Goldman Sachs have said that we should get everybody back. And now, mm, well, we don't know. And at the end of the day, I think my answer to them was the same every time. As I said, have, have you asked your people? what what they want to do, because you're going to have some people, because everybody's going to have a different lens on this, right? If you're someone like me and you've got, you live with your partner or you've got a couple of kids and what have you, and it's nice to have your family around you, I'm perfectly happy to go into the office one or two days a week and then do this for three days, right? But if you're in your early 20s, you just moved to the big city you're in a tiny little flat in London and you're thinking, I'm not seeing everybody, I'm not seeing anybody, right? I, I, I don't have that. You're going to want to go to the office. Of course you are, right? Because you, then you're getting your human connection and your social interaction for free. You're going to get that. So you can't possibly go, this is, this is what we're going to do. Here's the one size fits all, because it doesn't work like that. And we will every organization will struggle to understand exactly what this looks like for them and my message like last year was like that's all right it's all right it's okay don't worry about not knowing because what you think is right now look who's who who called the fact ben mentioned a new variant right who's calling that middle of november no one three weeks later we're kind of thinking, oh no, are we going to go? Are we going to go back to where we were, like two years ago, out of absolutely nowhere? So you can't call it. You can only do, you can do a bit of long term planning, but you can really only deal with what you have at the moment. And I think I think the, the point of that is it's probably the first time, certainly since I've worked in this industry, it's probably the first time ever where it's okay for leaders to go. We don't know we don't know and I think that's all right
1: yeah I agree and I think because people are asking you the yeah. question you know what should we do and it's 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 not what you should do it's actually how should you deal with this and it's to your point about listening to people and it's and it's work it out listen engage because the huge corporate policy is saying oh like Goldman's and there was something I read last week that um, I think it was a McKinsey piece that you sent me that said in the States, 19 million people have resigned from their jobs since April last year. And only only 36% of those people have got a new job to go to. So that the, the people are, you know, voting with their feet. and And it said that there's a real mismatch between employers think that the reason that people are leaving is something to do with either compensation work-life balance using that balance word Michael sorry or it's or it's or it's some sort of health issues either mental or physical so that's the three things that em- when surveyed employers think but employees mm-hmm. are actually saying the main reason that they're leaving is they don't feel valued either by the organization or by their managers and they they don't feel that they're They have a sense of belonging anymore. So there's a huge mismatch. So what's the bit that bridges that gap? Well, it's it's actually asking the right questions and and listening. And I think you know I I I have a really strong personal opinion that to your point, Michael, about people are emotionally drained. From my personal experience, that day I had in London that I was talking about, the energy I got was because I was able to do the thing that I've been missing. Yes, it was exhausting because I was having to, you know, I will quickly get used to using my Oyster card on the train and I will quickly get back into that routine. It's just I hadn't done it for a while. But the thing that gave me the energy was I got to do what I do best in terms of the reason I do what I do. I got to see people in person and I got to feed off that social aspect which is massively important to me it's not it's not as important to everybody but for me that social contact is hugely important um and and i felt that belonging with people so i got you know so so i i think the emotional drain is that people aren't aren't getting what's important to them And I don't think they're being asked enough about what's important to them. And people are looking for what's the policy on hybrid working. And it's not a policy. It's a process of discussion. It's a, you know, people will, people include themselves and, and be present and show up if they feel um, significant, you know, if they feel, Oh, there's yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's quite, it's quite nice sitting in my pajamas on zoom. I like that some days a week, but actually my boss has made it really relevant for me to be present that day because I, he's reorganised. That's, that's something that's really relevant because we're all together that day to do something for the benefit of, of me and the team. So I'll come in because it's relevant and it makes sense. So I, I, I think that people are missing a trick. And I know, I know we're heavily biased in what we do towards providing people with the skills but I, of, of, of how to manage and I think it's really simple. It's people are not asking what's important to people about how they work. They're just saying what, what, where, do you, where do you want to work is a different question from what's important to you about where you work. And I think that's anyway. I'll get off my soapbox. Who said? Who knew? Pete, I, I've spoken for longer than you. at Then
2: <laughs> weirdly, Ben, you <laughs> set you set up Pete as the one with the opinions, but lo and behold, it's you exactly. You
0: <laughs> know. Unbelievable. Do you know what, though? <clears throat> I was listening to what you were saying there. Is there something even bigger than what we've been talking about, right? Because you mentioned the McKinsey thing, Ben, right? Now, they, they put out a load of stuff at the end of last year around, you know, a rather grandly titled The Future of Work. There was a whole load of different reports. But there was a thing in there that said, 66% of people have said that working through the pandemic has has put them in a more reflective state on why they actually come to work or has them considering their purpose at work in some way and if you're under 35 you are 3 times more likely to say that that is important to you now if you think about that for a minute right that's got the most enormous implications on any organization. It has, a, it has an implication on the company's talent acquisition, their talent management strategy, never mind the bottom line. has a massive impact on the bottom line because what that basically says is if high performers don't get to live out their purpose at work, they're going to go and find it somewhere else, right? And people who live and believe in a purpose at work are way more likely to be more productive than people who don't so they're going to be they're going to be healthier they're going to be more resilient they're more likely to stay at their company and to go even further with it when people feel really strongly aligned with the purpose of their company you get higher performance you get happier customers you get a greater willingness to champion the the company to others so Somebody said this to me a couple of weeks ago and I said, said, yeah, you're absolutely right. There used to be the old phrase that we've all heard where people used to go, there's only one reason why you leave a company because you don't actually leave a company, you leave your boss, right? I leave my company because I hate my boss or I hate my manager. There's two reasons why people leave a company now. One is still because they hate their boss, but the other one is they don't believe in the purpose of the company. And if that's not aligned to me now, I'm going to go and find somewhere that does do what I believe in. It's really important at the moment. And I think that we are seeing the birth of this right now, but it's only going to get bigger. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a big theme. People will come in and work and join in and engage. If they have a positive experience and that's a felt thing and that positive experience isn't about oh we have snooker t- we have pool tables and we have free drinks it's about the fact that my essence is being well deployed and you know this the statistics that i i read over the weekend was that if people are having a positive experience they're 16 times more engaged and they're eight times more likely to stay if they're having a if they report a positive experience day to day at work. And I. I, I get that about the, the you know people join organisations and leave individuals, but I, I I really think you're right that it is it's different now, and I I've, I've, I've found myself over the last year when I coach individuals to, um, who lead people, I think it's quite I think the role of the role of the people leader is quite simple at the highest level, and we talk about how they convey. They're the sort of spirit of the help they want to offer their employees and 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 it's almost framing it in a way that says look my role as i see it is to balance what's important to you with what's important to the organization and i think you know i think we look for simplicity and i think that's really true because you we've gone are the days of saying well you know this is what we need you to do it's a we don't we don't listen enough about what's important to people and 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 that sweet spot of getting that right between what's important to you and what's important to the organisation its a massive driver for, you know, if, you're, if your objectives for a year match something that's important to you and the organisation, you yeah, job done.
2: I'm really curious about one of the words that you used earlier, Ben, when you were describing your experience of going into London and feeling valued when you were getting to do the stuff that you enjoy doing. And it was the word belonging. It's it's that's a that's a word that I've always been super curious about because I know for me I've come in and out of different contexts where I felt like I've belonged or then where I felt like I haven't. And I'm wondering if we could unpick that a minute, um, and maybe we could start with your experience of belonging when you were when you were able to travel for that first time and you were in an environment with people. Doing the thing that you enjoy. What what was what's belonging mean for you?
1: So if I if I think of my experience of the day I had, it the sense of belonging was the result of lots of little lots of little things. So it was it was with a client who I've worked with for four or five years who have made me feel incredibly welcome in the way that they they provide loads of context for the work that we do. I mean, you work with them as well, Michael. You can probably imagine who it is. It's one of our biggest yeah. clients. And and they're, they're a bunch of super bright people who are at the cutting edge of what they do. And and they've taken a lot of time to, to put a lot of context around what I do so I feel I can do the best job for them. So that's the background. And they've made me feel like part of the team. So they've, you know, even if the fact that they've given me a, uh, you know, a rucksack which is branded. I've got a chilly water bottle which is branded. I've got, you know, I've got an umbrella that's got their name on it. And it sounds really silly and small, but they they didn't hesitate and they said, look, no, you should have a pass. You should have your own pass. We want you to 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 have you maintain your independence because you're a coach, but we really want you to feel part of this. And and the smallest things happened while I was there. So I was able to walk around the floor, and it was funny. I I, I went to their Christmas party. Just before the holidays, obviously, and and I was joking about the fact I spent the I spent the evening seeing bumping into people i would worked with for a year or, or eighteen months who I'd never met in person. So I spent my spent the evening either looking up, going Oh my god, you're a lot taller," or, or looking down, thinking, "Oh, you're a lot shorter than I thought," which I, I kind of had going on, thankfully, in my own head. I didn't sort of call it out, and 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 it was lovely to meet and uh, for people to engage and invite me to that sort of thing but on the day I went in it was the small thing so there's a guy called Will who works there in IT and he does everybody's support function he helps everybody he's always moving people around the around the building he's always you know if you see him he's always under somebody's desk plugging something in or he's doing much grander things like that but he took the time I was just having a coffee and he came over to me went hey Ben and I hadn't I hadn't seen him for 18 months he came and sat next to me and he just said How's things you said everything working for you have you got everything you need He said well, i haven't seen you for ages and just that small thing mm. are you just that small small thing i thought that i mean that for me is a really good example of little moments like that which make me feel valued yeah. it makes me feel special and it makes me feel you know i belong to something here and he you know and, then, and it's the little small things that that the people take the time to speak to you, they take the time to recognise you've not been in for ages. And, it, and it's those small moments that just all add up to a sense of, you know, I would want to come here because of how I feel when I am there, because I feel like I get, I get to do what I do best. I feel that people um, want me to, they, they set me up for success. And the fact that they're just really friendly and and, just you know they trust me and I trust them because they're you know there's there's a depth of relationship there and so that 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 for me is belonging it's a it's a result of lots of different little interactions that all add up to something
2: yeah it's not a grand gesture no Um, what about you Pete
0: I think that what Ben said has got so much relevance and meaning I think that we think when somebody says we need to create a sense of belonging when you hear an organization or a a group of leaders say that what then normally happens is some kind of 12-point rollout plan that involves (laughs) HR, L&D, internal comms and you know people sort of walk around the the corridors holding bits of paper in their hand telling everybody they're working on project belonging (laughs) you know and, and and what happens at the end of it after six months of a load of completely pointless and meaningless meetings guess what nobody feels like they belong still so the whole thing's an absolute waste of time what it is is exactly what ben said it is a series of micro behaviors And a series of micro communications that just come for me under the heading of doing the right thing. That's how that what they've done for Ben. That is exactly how we would all lay out that we would want to be treated. Never mind by a a, a client or a customer. That's how we'd want to be treated by other human beings. And the reason that you've got Will from IT, the reason that he's behaving like that. It's because his manager behaves like that and their manager behaves like that. And you can follow that all the way up the chain that you've got a group of senior people who have got into that organisation and have gone, this is how we want it to be. This is the environment that we want to create, because if it feels like with the greatest respect in the world, Ben, if it feels like an external person feels like they belong when they come in. Imagine how it feels if you work there all the time. It must be absolutely fantastic, because so you want to go to that place because you feel that that's where you go to get your belonging. And there'll be a big bit, massive bit as well, Michael, around beliefs in there. I would put quite a lot of money on the fact that all of those people who work in that organization, they all broadly believe the same thing. And, and and that's that's why you get what you get. So mm-hmm. it you know you always hit. I, I always I like a chill runs down my spine. Ben and I were saying this in the pub before Christmas, of like you know when somebody goes, oh right, um, if we're going to do something on that, we need to we need to do a town hall. Two words that I detest. I have to tell you, <laughs> right? We need to do a town hall, and you're like, no, no, you, you don't have to do a town hall. You know, you just have to behave. You know, it's what you do and what you say. If you change that over a, a much shorter time than you would imagine, people will suddenly go, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a new fragrance in the air. And, and I'd quite <laughs> like to be part of that. Rather yeah. than the MD got up at a town hall, said, we're all going to behave better. And then everybody walked off and started behaving terribly again 30 minutes later. So, it, you know, it, it's, 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 it's who you are. That's what belonging yeah. is, Is who you are. And I think,
1: I think people want to... There's a big thing that, um, and I, I had to look this up, Michael has lived with this as a psychotherapist, but the word agency came up quite a lot. Agency for human beings, Michael, if I've understood it, is, is autonomy, it's, it's choice, and it's a feeling of, you know, I've got some degree of control over what happens for me, and I, and I I can take action on that, and I think that's what really winds me up. When, as you say, Pete, Goldman Sachs go right. We are an office-based organisation, and you will, and it's being told what to do. Where you know, in 2022, I'm I'm pretty sure, unless there's child labour at, at, at play, that most of the people we employ are adults, and that some degree of agency. Is present in most people, so they don't want to just be told like you know, sheep what to do. They they want some sense of ownership over their own existence. And that's where the you know the balance in the dynamic happens where you're asking people, okay, so let's balance what's important to you with what's important to the organization, so you get some choice in it, and we get the sense that you know you you are gonna deliver what what we're expecting of you, but let's 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 meet somewhere near the middle. I think that's really you know, agent agency in the work I get to do and an agency about the work I do, I think are really important. When, when I
2: have felt a deep sense of belonging,
1: it's been when
2: I've been in an environment where I can be myself, where I can do stuff I enjoy. And then crucially, there are other people there like that as well. Mm. And that I think is it. And I think it, that is another way of saying what you've both already said.
1: And and it's really interesting where we've worked with some organisations when it comes to this sort of issue, issue of the day about hybrid working or engagement or, you know, how do we get people focused on yeah. what's important? And it's not just about where they're working. It's about to what extent are they engaging in what we need to do? And... Some managers are just saying, "Well, what are the rules?" And it's like, "Oh, sorry, I think that might be the wrong. I think that might be the wrong question, and that could be the issue. Is you're looking for a policy, and people aren't policies. They don't respond to policies. Yeah, there are some that are really important mm-hmm. because it's you know it keeps us on the straight and narrow. But when it comes to people's motivations,
0: you don't policy that. You're right." you know you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um and, and we 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 sort of we just get that wrong you know we just get that wrong and you know the whole thing of you know we we it was something it was me that bought the goldman sachs thing up of like you know we, we expect you to come back to work because you're an off we're an office-based organization all right so marry that off with the the, the message to the people of goldman sachs could have been we're going to open our office We've really missed being together and uniting behind the reason that we're all here. We'd love to try and get as many people back into the same building as possible so that we can be together again. We, we can't wait to see you. We can't wait to have you back. Now, that's essentially exactly the same thing. Right. But Goldman Sachs thought it would be a good idea to publicly say to everybody, we're bringing everybody back in because we're an office based organization. And I, mean, I remember seeing it on the news and thinking, what on earth are you talking about? And if you if you work for them, you're, you are absolutely thinking, as Michael's just into that, you are absolutely thinking, I'd better go in. I'd better go back rather than running in the office on Monday. I could go in and I could go in and have a coffee, coffee with Ben and Michael. I haven't seen them for a year. Right. And we can be together for like an hour. And and discuss some of that stuff rather than doing it over Teams and Zoom, we can do it Mm. together in a I can't wait, I'm definitely going in on Monday. Right? It could have it could have so easily been that, but it wasn't. And you know, here we are again. It comes down to a a leadership senior management issue Mm. of as you said, Ben, it's a policy, it's a box tick. Have we informed everybody? Yes, we have. Nobody's actually thinking, how does that make our people feel? How does that make them feel about the organisation that they work for?
1: I mean, in, in in the years that you work in sort of learning, development, talent, coaching, there are themes that come in and out, aren't there, Pete? And it's like the, there's there's a big theme. Well, what's the big theme? And it's like the emperor's new clothes almost. It's it's like people are talking about, well, they're talking about wellbeing, so we better be talking about it. And then and it just goes around and becomes this fashionable thing. And it becomes an issue because there's a very fine line between, you know, awareness and promotion of things and um and so the word that gets talked about at the moment is engagement which is a which is a really worthy thing and it's but it's a massive nominalization it's it's a massive it's a really broad topic but it doesn't really come to life unless you're able to have the conversations that you need to that lead to it and it's not a you know it's not project engagement or project well-being it it, it's a it's a result of thousands of different individual conversations every day. And I think that's what's missing. And I think that's what the the reality is. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a sort of panacea of the fact that, you know, just ask people what's important to them and then base how you uh, manage them and to the extent to which you get them in the office or help them, you know, or ask them. And there's going to be compromise and there's going to have to be balance and there's going to have to be, because if you, you know, you've got three members of the team, and everybody say what's important to you, and one of them says Tuesdays, one of them says Wednesdays, and one of them says Thursdays, you're a bit stuffed, really. So then it goes and I think that's what I don't like, Michael, from the sessions you've run on hybrid working recently, I sense that there's still much as people are nervous about giving people feedback, for example, or 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 asking them to do something that's a bit tricky. In in this balance of what's important to Balancing what's important to the individual with what's important to the organization. It is both. It's not just the individual. So it's that point, to your point, Pete, about, you know, you could come in and have a coffee and, and see Michael. And, but theres I think it's harder work for managers to week by week say, right, this project we've got on to balance what's important to the individual with what's important to getting this project done is going to mean we need to negotiate with people to get them all in on that day and have those conversations and say to people, look, I recognise that's a big mm. ask for you, so here's the balance. If you could do that, how about we, we mitigate it and you know we, we come to that compromise by me saying, well, what about how, how can, can we come to some sort of balanced decision on this? But people, leaders, have got to be really good at making a case for that that makes it relevant for people to come in, it feels, it, they would feel significant by being invited to come in and they're more likely to do it and I think that just takes time and I think people are looking for broad policies because they want to get on with the thing but then if nineteen million people are leaving jobs, I know it's in the States and it's not as relevant to the UK but you know we talk to people worldwide, if 36% of people are leaving their jobs and haven't got anything else to go for, something else going on, so you know you can either put a little bit more effort into managing how you engage people to be present when you need them to be, or you can spend all your money on recruitment. Your choice, and that's the and that's you know that that's the issue. Sorry, I've gone into Pete Morris mode
0: again. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't worry. No, nobody wants to hear that guy. Listen, right. There's a little thing you said there though that I want to pick up on, which is that reason of why you would bring people back in right and this has been another thing this has been another little kick out of the whole light hybrid working thing or well actually no it's more of the kind of remote working thing because i think we probably all agree and anybody watching this will hopefully agree the the number of meetings that we're now able to do each day i mentioned the seven till seven thing has massively gone up right so we've actually forgotten why We have meetings now, right? And we've completely forgotten, right? We have a meeting about a meeting, or we have a pre-meeting, or we have a debrief meeting. There are actually only three reasons why you should ever have a meeting in the first place, certainly if this is a face-to-face thing. The first one is if you're going to create something. So you say to your people, we're going to get together in the office because we need to create or design X. Everybody goes, yeah, great, I'd love to do that. The second reason is if you have to decide on something and you go, right, we have to make a decision. Let's get together. Or the third reason is it is okay to have a meeting just to be together. Right. We're going to have some time in the office because we're going to be together. Right. Now, you notice what's not on that list is updates. Let's have an update meeting. Let's not send me an email. Do you know how many of these I've got today? I need to update you on so and so. Yeah, I'm right here. Tell me the update now. I tell you what, let's have a meeting. No. (laughs) You don't need to do that. And and that's the problem, right? So and then you got so now you're starting to see, which is great, you're starting to see like meetings anarchists now who are going, what's it about? Mm. Well, we're just gonna update on I'm not coming. Send me an email. Right. And I've actually been saying to people, do it, actually do it, because we have forgotten why we have them. Now, if you just keep them to the three core reasons, nobody's got any problems with going to those things. We want to go to those things. That's part of the reason we're employed is to go and do those things. Updates. You've got a phone. You've got an email. You don't need to do it. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, and we're all suffering from that
1: meeting fatigue. People just put agendas together with the fabled word "update on X," and it's like, well, actually, what's the intention in being updated on that? If it oh, is,
0: it's, it's, it's unbelievable. There's another one of people get optional. What? <laughs> what do you mean optional? What are you doing? You really, really, yeah. or you're not? Yeah, yeah, optional.
2: Oh, and then, come on. you will have seen you'll have seen at the end of last year that well i think the one of the big words for last year was fatigue wasn't it zoom fatigue maybe a bit like the the word for this year is going to be balance but zoom fatigue there was some research posted at the end of last year isn't necessarily to do with the back-to-back nature of zoom or the amount of time on zoom and it's more to do with people feeling like they have to present themselves in a particular way. But the, the issues of self-presenteeism and how they're performing in to the camera, that's a problem in relation to fatigue. And that speaks to what you've just said there, doesn't it? It so overlaps with your message around the three reasons behind yeah. the meeting.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. That's exactly what it is. That's, what, that's why we're exhausted. If they were all of meaningful, high-quality conversations and discussions, we'd have no problem with doing a few extra meetings a day. Absolutely fine. The reason we're fatigued with them is because so many of them are completely pointless. Pete, what do you think Richard Ayoade would say? Oh, look, whatever he would say would be so devastatingly <laughs> brilliant, right, that n- none of us could ever even... We'd just go, ah, oh, days won again. He's
1: Look one at that. One He's fun again. He makes it on your, you know, it should be an aspiration for many people to make it onto your rogues gallery behind you. Yeah,
0: I'm going to put, you two boys are going up next week.
1: I was going to say, Michael better not go ahead of me.
0: <laughs> You're both up at the same time.
2: I think that's that is, should, be the, should be the question at the forefront of our minds as we start this year, is what would Ayowadi say?
0: Michael, I have lived my life by that rule. <laughs> for the last three or four years. What would he say? Not only what would he say, what would he do? Right? But, but strangely, he'd probably say no to virtually everything. Because I think he's a bit like that. So don't listen to him.
2: He's he's the tip of the spear when it comes to the meeting rebellion. Oh, he he wouldn't show up for anything.
1: <laughs> Wasn't it on that on that TV show he did called the IT crowd? Mm. Wasn't was it on that that they coined that phrase? When, when there's somebody phones the i t support desk and and they talk about the issue, and then they do the usual have you switched it on, switched it off again and or the other way around, and then there was something about oh they described it oh, it's a picnic issue a picnic issue. What's a picnic issue? Problem in chair, not in computer <laughs> Yes, brilliant.
2: tuning in this time and listening to our thoughts and musings on the year ahead and we hope there's some stuff that we shared that resonates for you and thanks again to Pete Morris for his wonderful contribution to our Noggin podcast cheers Pete